Christmas season and how we can get so distracted with whiteboards and everything that's going on in life that we forget to fill up, thank you, our spiritual tank. Pastor Steve encouraged us to thirst for the one thing that truly satisfies, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out and into our life. So this morning, I want to look at a particular um, spiritual discipline that helps us foster this thirst for what matters. And this is the spiritual discipline of solitude, time alone with God. And now, this is something that Pastor Nathan has challenged us with before, and I know for a lot of you, it was particularly powerful, including myself. This was something that's really stuck with me. And on that note, I just want to mention that you might recognize that this topic of um, uh, solitude with God is something that we mention frequently here at Hills Church. And the reason for that is that this is the most important discipline in the life of a disciple. This is the most important thing that you could do. It has been my experience that when I started to participate in times of solitude with God, that I finally understood what it meant to have an intimate and personal relationship with God, with my Heavenly Father. The other reason I'm going to talk about this again this morning is because it's actually been some time since Nathan's first sermon on this that he spoke in depth about um, time of solitude. And we've actually had a lot of people and families join us since then. And so it's also a good reminder, especially in this busy season, to take time to spend time of solitude with God. Because I know if you're like me, in our busy time, quite often the first thing we cut back on to create space and time in our schedule is our time alone with God, let alone extended periods of solitude with God. But the thing is, this should be the last thing that we cut back on because it is our lifeline in every season of life. Now, I say we here because I'm guilty of cutting back on this too. In fact, I'm preaching on this sermon this morning because God has challenged me recently in this area, to not neglect times of solitude with him. Actually, as I was preparing for this sermon, I felt God saying to me, hey, you're going to preach on this. When was the last time you took some time of solitude? And I was like, oh, good point. And so a couple of weeks ago, I went for a walk intentionally to spend time with God. And as I was walking and picturing Jesus alongside me, this sense of awe and reverence and a stillness entered my heart. And you know, not a lot was said between us, but there was a presence that stirred inside me. And so I want to encourage you, this is important. See, when we read through Scripture, we find many times where godly men and women 
sought out solitude in order to spend time with God. Even Jesus himself took time away from his busy schedule to be alone in solitude with God. He did this for many reasons and in all kinds of seasons. That rhymes, I just realised. <laughs> but the fact remains that even Jesus sought solitude with God, he saw it as a priority. And I want to just list some reasons for you this morning as to why Jesus sought out time of solitude with his heavenly Father. And there's six things that I found. Firstly, Jesus sought out times of solitude to prepare for a major task. We see this in Luke 4, 1 to 2, and, and also 14 to 15. It says that after Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days praying in the wilderness. And after, um, after this, he was tempted by Satan, and then he began his public ministry. The second reason was he sought times of solitude to recharge after hard work. In Mark 6, 30 to 32, we see that Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to do ministry. And when they returned, he encouraged them to separate from the people who were following them to rest. Thirdly, Jesus sought out times of solitude to work through grief. In Matthew 14, 1 to 13, after Jesus learned that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, he went away by himself to work through this grief in times of solitude with his heavenly Father. Yes, even the Son of God grieves. Number four, Jesus sought out times of solitude before making an important decision. In Luke 6, 12 to 13, we see that early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer. The next day, he chose his 12 disciples. It's an important decision. Number five, Jesus sought out times of solitude in times of distress. In Luke 22, 39 to 44. So hours before Jesus was arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and went a short distance away from his disciples to pray. He was in great emotional agony knowing what he was about to face. And he sought solace in time of solitude with God. And lastly, number six, Jesus took time of solitude to focus on prayer. We see that in Luke 5:16. This passage tells us that although God was um, sorry, although word was spreading about Jesus, prompting more and more people to seek after him, there were still many times in Jesus' ministry that he spent alone in prayer. So we see that there are a lot of different reasons that Jesus sought out times of solitude. But amongst all these reasons for seeking solitude, Jesus' goal was always to remove distractions in order to be truly present with God. And this is the main point that I want to make about solitude with God. And that is that the goal for times of solitude is to truly be present with God. The goal for time of solitude is to be truly present with God. There may be many reasons for taking times of solitude, but our goal should always to be truly present with God. And what I mean by being truly present with God is, is to intentionally remove as many distractions as possible so that you can be truly focused on Him. 
I want to give you a quick example of the difference it makes when you are truly present with someone. And so first of all, I can't believe I'm asking this question, but do people remember when home phones were like a big thing? Yeah? Who here still has a home phone? There's a few telemarketers calling you all the time. So I remember growing up when we had a home phone. Sounds weird, but... And mum had a, a cordless phone, and she would do this trick, which was baffled my mind, but she'd be able to balance it under her shoulder, her chin and shoulder. She'd be able to do something else, like the dishes, and continue talking on the phone, right? It was a trick to me. Some people are nodding, going, what's so difficult about that? <laughs> but she would do that. And so what I want you to do is to picture a mother talking on the phone and doing the dishes. And as she's doing the dishes, all of a sudden... Her son comes up behind her and says, Mum, 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 check out this painting I painted for you. And as she's doing the dishes and chatting on the phone, she says to the person on the phone, hey, just, just hang on a tick. She looks over and says, oh, honey, that's fantastic. Awesome. Why don't you go show your dad too? And then she keeps doing the dishes and talking on the phone. Now, she doesn't ignore the child completely, recognises that the child is there. But I have a feeling that if this was all the interaction that these two had, that the relationship would not be very deep or they wouldn't really know much about each other. And so picture, if you will, that the conversation goes down this way instead. The mother is still on the phone doing that trick that I can't do talking on the phone and doing the dishes. Then when her son comes up behind her and says, Mum, Mum, check out this painting I did. She says to the person on the phone, Hey, look, sorry, can I call you back in a moment? She then dries off her hands, hangs up the phone, and then kneels down to look at the child and the painting. And as the child explains what's in the picture, she asks questions and learns about what's going on. Then she receives the painting, takes it to the fridge, and puts it in a place of prominence. This is a perfect example of being truly present with someone. And you can imagine how much deeper the relationship would be between them. And it's this kind of relationship that Jesus desires for us to have with him. In fact, this time of year, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to provide a way for us to have this kind of relationship with him. We celebrate that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to a little town called Bethlehem to provide a way for us to be in relationship with him. Now, I know life gets busy, and there are many external pressures and responsibilities that call call for our attention. And a lot of these things may even be good things too like spending time with your spouse or kids or going to work Christmas celebrations, finalising uni assessments for the year or helping out at our Hills Church Christmas carols coming up shortly. little plug there. These are all good things. But how can we do our best in these areas if we are always emotionally, spiritually and physically drained? Spending time in solitude with God, in amongst the busyness, gives us what we need 
to not only survive, but to thrive and to live a life holy and pleasing to God. Now remember that Jesus himself was pretty busy doing good things too. I think we can all agree with that. He was doing some pretty cool things. And time was short for him. In fact, his active ministry only lasted three years. Did you know that, church? His active ministry only lasted three years. That was three years, check this out, three years to proclaim the gospel message throughout the region, to heal many sick people, to raise people from the dead, to select 12 disciples to teach and equip to continue the spread of the gospel message and become the first church after he ascended into heaven. This is all on top of dying for our sins and rising from the dead to usher in a new covenant that no longer requires us to abide by the sacrificial system in order to be in right relationship with him. There's a lot going on in Jesus' life. In three years, he had to achieve this. And yet, when we read through the gospel accounts of his ministry, you will notice that he actually takes time for, for solitude quite frequently, even when time was at its shortest, like at the Mount of Olives, when he was about to be betrayed and everything was coming to a head. He took time alone with God. Jesus was fully God in his full humanity. Yet he needed to spend time with his heavenly father. And I just think, how much more do I need to do so? How much more do we need to do that? So church, if the goal for times of solitude is to be truly present with God, I guess the question is, what does that achieve? What are we actually doing in times of solitude? Well, the thing is, with solitude, solitude is not about what we are doing necessarily, but what God is doing in us. These times are about what God is going to be doing in us. And our goal is just to be present, just to show up and be there and be attentive to what God is doing. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that gives us great picture of what God does in these times of solitude when we are truly present with him. And it comes from John 15, 1 to 5. It talks about the true vine. So you can follow along on the screen if you'd like. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is a great image that some of you may have heard multiple times, and I love the way it just describes this abiding in Jesus and Him abiding in us. And when we're connected in with Him, we receive all that we need, and it's, it's just great. But I am as much as I like to chat with people about things, I also like to see things as well. And so, I'm going to attempt to draw this image of the vineyard for us so that we can get a clearer picture. So, in this passage, we hear 
that Jesus is the vine. So we need to start with a vine. Hey, would you look at that? A whiteboard marker that works. So this is Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Yes. And that God is the gardener. And so this one's a little bit trickier. Um, I think if God is a gardener, he needs a hat. Because every gardener has a hat. And I reckon God has a big beard like Costa from Gardening Australia. One of my favorite programs. And here is his outfit. Uh, I'm running out of space. Here we go. And he's probably... Oh, wait a second. What's going on here? He's probably holding a watering can, I reckon. This is getting quicker and quicker. Here we go. Boots. Look what I drew, Mum. All right. That is a hand behind his back, I assume. Anyway, so this is God. Let's make that clear. G-O-D. And then lastly, in this picture of the vineyard, we have Jesus as the vine, God as the gardener. We are the branches. And so here are some branches. There we go. I know why in play school they make sounds when they draw now. I just feels like it would make it better. There we go. Here we go. There are some branches. This is me. This is you. And this is our picture of the vineyard. This is going to stick with you for years. <laughs> so in this image, I can see three things that we can expect to receive in times of solitude. Now, we may not receive all three of these things at once, but at some point in our time of solitude with God, we are going to receive these things. In fact, the first one that we receive, I can guarantee you we have every single time we enter into time with God. And that is, in times of solitude, we can expect to receive nourishment. Nourishment is the first thing we receive in times of solitude. Like a branch attached to the vine, when we abide in Jesus, we receive all that we need from him. See, if you are feeling overworked or, or burnt out, spend time with him and you will find rest for your soul. If you are struggling with anxiety, spend time with him and you will find a peace that goes beyond your situation. If you feel inadequate for the task ahead of you, the answer is to spend time with God and he will walk you through it. In times of solitude, when we are truly present with him, we receive the life-giving nourishment from him. We are connected into Jesus and you know God might be pouring the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've left some letters out. You fill them in. In times of solitude, when we are connected in with Jesus, he gives us the nourishment and what we need to live a life that is fruitful, that is healthy. So the first thing we receive is nourishment. The second thing that we receive at some point in our time of solitude, we are going to receive pruning. See, when you grow a grapevine... 
If you leave the branches to their own devices without pruning it, often it will spend too much energy growing and putting out shoots in every direction at the expense of growing lots of fruit. And so you prune it carefully to focus its energy in, in the areas that you want it to. You might chop off something in order for it to focus its energy on growing fruit. That's grapes. We receive pruning. The same goes for us. Sometimes we can be so busy doing so many good things that we don't have the energy or the time to do any of it well and at the expense of producing fruit. Now, I just want to say that I understand that this may be honourable. This may be something, you know, trying to fill in all the gaps, but let's be real for a moment. You run the risk of becoming tired, worn out, and most likely burn out. So let me give you some warning. We can't possibly do it all, but what should we do? Well, let's take some time of solitude and allow God to prune in us what he needs to so that we can focus on that one thing we should be doing well. The other aspect to pruning is when you cut off a diseased part of the vine in order to promote health for the rest of the vine. In our times of solitude, this may look like God pointing out some unhealthy behaviours in us, some unhealthy things that we are participating in or attitudes. And if we allow him to remove them, we will grow in maturity and in faith and be far more healthier than if we were to hold on to these things. So in our times of solitude, at some point we're going to receive pruning. And it's good for us. So we always receive nourishment when we spend times of solitude. Secondly, we may receive pruning. And thirdly, we receive direction. When you grow a grapevine, you need to provide a structure for it to grow along. In vineyards, it's quite often either string or some wire. But what this does is that it provides a direction for the vine to grow in, a direction that allows the maximum amount of light into every branch, some life-giving light, allows air to travel around it, and keeps it healthy. It provides a direction that is good for the vine. And the same goes in our life. So when we allow God to shape us and provide direction for our lives, we know that he has our best interest at hand. So if you have a major decision to make or you need wisdom in handling a situation, consider spending an extended time of solitude with God and allow him to guide you and provide direction. If you need wisdom, ask God and he will give you wisdom. We need direction, but we also need good direction and we receive that from God. So the result of all these things is that our spiritual tank is filled and our relationship with Jesus is deepened. It's like Steve mentioned last week about thirsting for what matters. 
and being filled with, with the Holy Spirit to overflow. But it's not something that just stays still. We have to continue going back to the source. Apart from the vine, we can do nothing. So we need to stay connected in. And so in this Christmas season, where we are celebrating the coming of the Saviour, I want to challenge you to plan an extended time of solitude with Jesus. And I know it can be difficult. And if you can't make it happen before the new year, that's okay. I don't want to make you feel guilty about this. But what I would like to do is give a little nudge and just say that this is important and that is good for you. So if you can plan a time of extended solitude with, with, um, with God before the new year, I'd encourage you to do so. The challenge is out there. And to help you along, I want to leave you with some practical suggestions for how to go about the spiritual discipline of solitude. And so here are some things that I've learned in my times of solitude with God and some things that I've sort of thought about and thought this is practical and this can work. So here's a list of four things that I think um, are important for times of solitude. And the first one is we need to prepare. This may sound like it goes without saying, but you need to plan a time of solitude with Jesus or it won't happen. If we don't plan specifically when we're going to have an extended time of solitude, quite often just life crowds in and it doesn't happen. So firstly, we need to plan for that. In preparation, we need to bring whatever will help you to be with Jesus in a personal and practical way. You might bring music, a Bible, drawing supplies, or a journal. But the thing to remember is that this isn't about doing an in-depth Bible study or about completing a task. Remember, it's about being truly present with Jesus. So in reading the Bible, you might pray through a psalm or something similar. In the same way, your journal is for... Um, is for writing down prayers and helping your mind focus. So these are things helping you focus on God. The second thing we need to do is unplug. We need to remove distractions like emails, loud noises, or even other people. You may need to arrange with people you live with um, not to interrupt you for a little while. Sometimes the best option is to just get away from your regular surroundings if it's possible. And a part of unplugging is, is being still as well. You need to simply just do nothing for a moment. We start by standing or sitting or walking in the presence of your heavenly Father. Doing this before you do anything that you plan to do in your time of solitude with Jesus. And this might help. It might help by picturing Jesus walking alongside you. Nathan mentioned this before and it was just game changing for me picturing Jesus walking alongside me I don't know about you but my imagination just goes crazy when there's nothing else taking its attention and so I get so distracted and so this concept of instead of letting it you know just wander why not use that imagination to picture Jesus who is there beside me but picture him physically walking alongside me in his sandals and robe and long beard and long hair. However you picture, that's how I picture him. But there's something powerful 
when I picture him walking alongside, all of a sudden this moment becomes very personal and special. And it all of a sudden changes from this abstract thought of God to, oh my goodness, this is a relationship. I am walking with Jesus and his presence is there with me. So in in unplugging, it might help see Jesus walking alongside you. Next with unplugging, you might feel, let me just say, you might feel guilty about unplugging for a while. But remember that Jesus calls us to not only love God, which is why we're spending time in solitude with him in the first place, but he also calls us to love our neighbor as well. And we can't properly love others without first receiving God's perfect love in us. And so the key for extended times of solitude is just that, that they are only for a period of time. We must and will at some point reconnect with others. But these times of solitude are not just for our benefit. Other people benefit as well because it means we're on a, I don't know if you call it our A game, but it means we're at our best. So prepare, unplug. Thirdly, we need to open up. Pour out your heart to God. Talk to him about what is going on in your life, your struggles, your joys, and your needs. Remember, it's okay to share your doubts and frustrations with God. You can tell him that you're annoyed or upset or that you're just not sure what's going on. It may help to journal your thoughts and prayers or maybe to speak them aloud. And lastly, we should dwell in his grace and love. This may be through continued prayer with him with an emphasis on the listening to his voice. You may find it helpful to read scripture, simply walk in his creation, journal, paint, draw, listen to worship music, or go fishing. Basically, whatever else, whatever helps you to focus your heart on God. Prepare, unplug, open up, and dwell in the grace, his grace and love. In James 4, 7 to 8, it says, So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Church, God desires to be close to us. And this verse is a promise that if we seek after God and draw close to him, he in return will draw close to us. In fact, he desires this above all else. And so during the Christmas period, you will hear the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just remember that he still desires to be with us today. So I encourage you to plan an extended time of solitude with God before the new year. Fill up your spiritual tank and allow God to nourish you, to prune you and to give you direction in order to grow in maturity and to deepen your faith. Church, let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, 
We thank you that 2,000 years ago that you came to a town called Bethlehem in the form of a child. Lord, to, to come and accomplish a task that allowed us a way back to you and to be in right relationship with you. So this morning, we just want to sit before you and say, God, we are thankful for that. Lord, I pray that over these next couple of weeks, Lord, that we would find time to to just dwell in your presence. Lord, that we would receive from you all that we need. God, that you would fill our spiritual tank and equip us to live a life of eternal significance. God, I thank you for your love and for your mercy in our lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.